We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here today with me. Tommy will not be with me on Thursday. We will celebrate Thanksgiving without doing a podcast. Uh, so this will be the only appearance from one Tom Lavero uh, this week because he does the Philly thing for Thanksgiving, right? No, not this year. Oh. Not this year. We're not doing a large gathering this year. I'm going to my son's house in Baltimore, uh, and he's going to host Thanksgiving for the second year in a row. Oh, okay. Um, so you're just going to be uh, in Baltimore with your son and family on Friday um, and unable to do the podcast. Right. We're, we're planning kind of like a, a couple of uh, days a family together. W- weekend okay, kind of thing. Nice. I understand. You know, do you, doing um, something like that. Do you remember there are two stories that we would talk about um, uh, at Thanksgiving time every year, and yesterday Scott was on the podcast and told – the story about how Clint Longley nearly killed his grandfather, um, which was, you know, a, a an annual right. tradition yeah. on the show. And I've kept it an annual tradition, although I almost forgot to ask him about it on the podcast yesterday. But um, for those that, that haven't heard the Scott Van Pelt story about how Clint Longley nearly killed his grandfather, um, it's towards the end of yesterday's podcast. But there was another story. Do you remember the story of my friend Kenny? Who yes. with 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 the, with the mother-in-law? Right, with the Disney World trip. Remember? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Classic. So, a good friend of mine. Um, his name's Ken. Uh, Ken is a massive Cowboys fan. Has been throughout his life. Ken grew up in Jersey, but was you know just a Cowboys fan, and he's lived down here. And we worked together many many years ago, and we've stayed um, we've stayed friends over the years. And he told us the story, and this is probably 10 years ago now, um, where his in-laws offered to take the entire family and pay for a trip to Disney World for Thanksgiving under one condition. And that condition was that Kenny wouldn't be allowed to watch the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. This is a true story. God's honest truth, a true story. And it was quite the dilemma for him and his wife and his, at the time, young girls who would be really excited about a trip to Disney World. And I, I, Heck, I'd be excited about a trip to Disney World. Right, especially when it's not on your dime. It's on, it's on the in-laws. Yes. 
But I, I said to him, that is quite the ask. I mean, that is really, um, that's harsh. That's insulting in many ways. Um, and It's a gun to your head. It, it's, it's a hostage situation. A to- it was a total hostage situation. And I... I, yes. I remember saying to him that that's one of those where I don't know what your relationship is with your in-laws. And, you know, there's a dynamic there that, you know, unless you're in it, you really can't understand. But if that were me, I would say, wait a minute, let's sit down and talk about this. Um, I don't I understand that Thanksgiving is a very important holiday. And by the way, I know many of you out there probably um, don't have football as a big part of the Thanksgiving Day holiday. And when you sit down to eat, no matter what time you do it, you know, a lot of people, including my very own wife, doesn't want a TV on with the game on. And so we've hosted Thanksgiving for years. And unless the the skins were playing, if the skins were playing, it was a different schedule because I was working. You know, I did the pregame show, had to come home, watch the game, had responsibilities for work. But if they weren't playing, I had no problem at all. And I prefer it, actually, Turn the TV off. We're going to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner as a family with everybody that's here. And, you know, if there's a game, you know, that's on that's really important, I'm just going to, I'm recording it and I can go back and watch it later. And I I said to him, but, you know, this is his favorite team and it's been for him a tradition since he's been a little boy that on Thanksgiving, he and his family, they watch the Cowboys. Well, this was a tradition that was not respected by the in-laws at all. And they didn't want him watching it. They did not want, they wanted him with the family when dinner was served, or even if dinner wasn't served uh, until, you know, maybe it was early in the day or the game was later. That was the, that was the condition. We'll pay for this, but you're not watching the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Well, he watched the thanks. He watched the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, just not from Disney World, just not from Orlando. He yeah. called. He called me this week, and he said, "You're okay. not. You're not going to believe about this other dilemma that I have. My in-laws now, um, they're hosting Thanksgiving, and they have said that. I guess in recent years, there's been some, there's been some compromise. You know, whether it's you know hit the DVR or hit the pause button or whatever it is. There's been some compromise this year." They're hosting it, and they don't want him watching the Cowboys game at all. And so now he's had it, and he just said, that's fine. I won't be having Thanksgiving with you people. Good for him. Yeah. Right? That's what I told him. Yeah, I good mean, for him. And, it, and, it, and his wife should be standing with him. I think she is. I think that they are. I think, okay. I think he said to me, and I may have this wrong, and Kenny, if you're listening, you can correct me, and then I'll correct the record tomorrow on the podcast. But I think he said that, you know, the girls are going to go over and see, you know, the in-laws and hang out, his girls, and then, but he and the wife are not going. I, I mean, okay, I, I, you know, it's one thing if somebody's really not into it. They know how into this he is and how big it is for him and how part of how much of a part of his tradition it's been. And it's not like he's asking them to watch the game with him. No, not at all. It's not like he's saying, I want you to join in my tradition. Right. You know, you could stick, as I understand it, if they stuck him in a room by himself with a TV during dinner, 
he'd be fine. Or, you know, it's one of those things. Now, if you've got a massive crowd, and I don't think they are a part of a massive Thanksgiving Day crowd, but, you know, if there's kind of a mutual respect there, it's like, look, the game starts at 4.30. Um, you know, you do dinner when you want to do it, and I'm going to be a, as much of a part of it as I can, but I really don't want to miss the game. Now, what I would do in that situation, I would say, look, do you have a DVR? Can we just record it and or hit pause and, you know, and I'll sit, you know, during the game for 45 minutes or whatever it is, and then I'll go back and I'll catch up and, you know, I want to be a part of both. But no, that he's not going to watch the game at their place, period. I, that's, Man, that's, that's bad. Yeah. Now, you know, it's like everything else. Um, actually, I'm going to share another quick story with you. So I got a call yesterday from a friend of mine friend of mine who is a big listener to the station and the podcast. He is a huge Maryland supporter, Maryland fan, goes to every football game, every basketball game. And he called me yesterday. And when I say he's a friend, I, I, I know him through the radio, him as a caller, and I know him because he's a major caller and one of Mad Dog's favorite callers on XM Sirius, on Chris Russo's Mad Dog Radio. He's one of his favorite callers, and he's on that show all the time, and he's a big fan of our show, and he listens, and he calls in every once in a while. Big Terp. Anyway, he called me, and he said, uh, I was asked to leave the Maryland basketball game against Hofstra on Friday night. Some some woman complained that I was, too, that I was cheering too loud. And so the guy came down to my seats and said, uh, you're going to have to go. And I basically turned around and told him, look, I'll have a conversation with you about this, but not during the game. I'm the customer here. I'm here. I pay for these tickets. There's nothing vulgar. There's nothing going on here. Um, and I'm just very passionate about the team. And if, if who, whomever's complained can't deal with that, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not my 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 behavior is not out of or, uh, out of order at all and the guy kept pushing him he he said he he said he turned around and said look i pay for these tickets i'm sitting here right now this is what i pay for to watch the game i will have this conversation with you but not during the game and then apparently according to him the students started getting on the person from that had come down to ask him to leave, uh, to leave because I think he's become kind of a favorite of the student section. He's right next to the student section, and he's a very passionate, loud fan. Now, the reason I bring that story up is like with my friend Kenny. We only know one side of the story. <laughs> there may be a completely different side of the story where we might side with the in-laws or we might side with the person that came down from the ticket office. You know, sometimes it really helps to know the the entirety of this story and both sides. But it seems really, really out of bounds to do that, you know, that to, to hold him hostage over the Cowboys game. But maybe we're maybe we're missing something in the relationship dynamic. Well, look, if they were capable of of using a family trip to Disney World to force his hand, and they're capable of anything. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true, because... If they, were, if they were capable of that, knowing very well uh, the pressure it would put on him and his family, and all of a sudden, what would have, uh, under normal conditions, been a generous gesture, 
turns into almost extortion? No. I mean, there's no other side to this. <laughs> and, you know, Tommy, in this day and age, isn't it refreshing that family arguments can be about whether or not you get to watch the Cowboy game on Thanksgiving rather than yeah. uh, Joe Biden in 2024 or Rittenhouse or anything else that's going on in the world? Because there are going to be a lot of those conversations, and a lot of those just over the last few years have really, yes. really made things uncomfortable and awkward for a lot of people. This one's just about a stupid football game. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what. If, yeah, if, and, and, you know, go ahead. No, I mean – I can't imagine at any point my in-laws ever, if the, if the Skins were playing and we were doing Thanksgiving somewhere else, no, you can't watch that game. I'd be like, you know, uh, sorry, I won't be there. Um, they no yeah. Nobody in my life would ever do that. But, again, now, maybe know, we're I, missing I, part I, of the story. I dealt with something Get a, similar I remember to the Philadelphia for years thing. in Philadelphia. Yeah. But... My in-laws, like I said, like I told you before, they make the Waltons look like a motorcycle gang. <laughs> they would never say to me, "You can't watch the game." It would just be there would be so many of them. For one thing, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, my family. There's nobody from my family there except me because I basically have nobody left but me in my family, and they have an army. You know, if, if all the the husbands and wives show up. There's 19 people there and me. So it's sort of like a, a pressure situation by atmosphere, you know, that no one else is going to watch the game. No one even talks about watching the game. Everyone sits down at when dinner's ready to watch, to eat dinner, and it's just understood. So I always felt, and for one thing, you know, unless you know, Washington was playing in the game, it wasn't really relevant to my job. Right. As much as I would enjoy watching the game, I would just quietly surrender without any overt pressure from the other side. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, but eventually they became more sympathetic to to uh, my position, and in in when when the when the dinner switched from the mother-in-law and father-in-law's house to a sister-in-law's house. They would put me in the basement in front of a TV. I remember that. And yeah. One time, and one time, even brought me dinner. You, I, re- I was just, I was just going to ask you. I, I remember you telling yeah. me they had a whole setup for you in the basement, and they brought you dinner downstairs. Because that was but, a like, that was you, a red that was a Redskins that was a Skins game. Yes, that was a Skins game. Yeah. And a couple two years ago, I think it was two years ago, or maybe three years ago. Two years ago, when Cole McCoy started for Washington against the Cowboys. I think it was against the Cowboys. Yeah, that was a, that was a, no, that wasn't Thanksgiving. That was a, oh yeah, yeah. There was a no, thanks- no, 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 no. Yeah. That, that was Thanksgiving. The that was the game after Alex Smith got injured in twenty in twenty eighteen. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I get to my in laws' house and and I figure I'm going to watch the game and you know, no problem in the basement. Well, it turns out they're renovating their basement and the TV's not hooked up, <laughs> so there's no place for me to watch the game. Right. So I leave and go to a dive bar. In Westchester, Pennsylvania. I mean, a real dive bar. Right. And uh, watch the game there, eating beer nuts. You know, <laughs> drinking, drinking Yingling. Oh, so, uh, by the way, that sounds lovely. 
I mean, spending Thanksgiving by myself, drinking yingling and eating and eating nuts. I love it. Can, where can I sign up for that? <laughs> um, it is. It's so interesting, isn't it? That you know, because we're so, and most of you listening, obviously, are so so immersed in sports, and yet there are so many people that couldn't give a shit about anything. I mean, my wife is the perfect example. She just, I mean, we've been married a long time. I have three boys and we are constantly watching sports, playing sports and debating and arguing about sports. And she just, over the years, she understands it. She's gotten used to it. There are a couple of things that she'll sit down and, you know, pay attention to, but she still just sort of you know, shakes her head and goes, I just don't understand the commitment to this kind of thing. And there are lots of people that don't care at all. So there oh, are yeah. there are many homes in America where Thanksgiving is a sacred meal and the TVs won't be on. Hell, many of those people barely like your like your in law situation where they didn't even have a working TV. I mean, who only has one TV to begin with? And then, and then who never, who does it right now? How many people in the audience have a situation where they don't have a working TV? I bet zero. The, the point being is that there are places where it's not even, uh, it's not even a consideration like Sundays or Saturdays or football season. It just doesn't mean anything. Thanksgiving and football, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but, but even for those people, I will say this. I think the Super Bowl is the one thing that 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 gets their attention because there's a party and they want to be invited to the party they may not know anything about the teams or anything else but they do know the super bowl is on i think that's the one event that america as a whole knows is going on but there are plenty well, of homes that won't have football on on thanksgiving let me illustrate the depth of my family's lack of interest in football it was the year that the Ravens, the first Ravens Super Bowl, the Ray Lewis Super Bowl right. uh, for the 2000 Ravens, uh, my sister-in-law scheduled a birthday party for their father on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And there was no TV to be watched. So my kids will never forget us pulling off the side of the road in Delaware on the way back from the party, going into another dive bar that we, you know, that, that we had never been in before, obviously. And they remember sitting in the bar watching the, Super, the, the Ravens Super Bowl uh, that Sunday. They, they, they'll never forget that. Well, that's a good memory. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I, I also... I also wonder, remember when I told you a few weeks ago that that I'm not as into gambling as I used to be? And like you, you made the point, and I think it was a good one, and I think it was pretty perceptive, and that is that now it's not just for the so-called cool people, but it's for all the dopes and the people who have never, ever had access to it. Now it's not as interesting. I, I think that that's, that might be part of it, but I think it's more or less – that as you get older, and I think, and I think this is true with you. Um, m- my observation of you over 
15 years now or however long we've known each other, 11 or 10 or 12 or whatever, really knowing each other, that your interest in sports has waned over the years as you've gotten older. It it has. It it has to some extent. I'll, I'll grant you that. And you know what's interesting? I see it in my friends. I, I see it in, in, in people who, who I mean, like my, my best friend, Pete, who, I mean, we used to go to Jets games together. We used to go to Knicks games together. Uh, and uh, he was, and now, I mean, he'll watch it casually, occasionally, but really doesn't, you know, have any interest in it. And I think there is some kind of age factor there. And I'm doing everything I can to fight it, actually, because I fight as much as I can all those kind of age factors. Like I said, I, I don't, I listen to music all the time. Me when too. everyone around me listens to podcasts or talk radio or books on tape, you know? And I say to myself, what did you do when you were 18? I said, that's what I want to do when I'm 68. The same thing as much as possible. But I think you're right to some extent about the interest in sports. Certainly the NBA, but I think that's a generational thing, too. That's a stylistic thing. Well, I mean, what you just said, uh, p- part of it makes sense to me and part of it doesn't, because I do think of you um, as someone who much of our audience would perceive to be old, crotchety, inflexible, um, and a lot of that is true, by the way, um, about Tom. But at the same time, you have always surprised me with your interest and your um, connection to things like new technologies Um, and your interest in a lot of that stuff. I think it's um, sort of in conflict with with your age uh, and, by the way, your general disposition personality wise. But I but but in being serious, you've always sort of gravitated towards newer things and being open minded to newer things. And yet you just said and you were sort of critical of people who are listening to podcasts, which is a relatively new thing, including this podcast. <laughs> so let's be careful there. Uh, um, no, I, I, I definitely, and I, I don't know what I would credit this to. First of all, I've always been interested in a lot of other things um, and a lot of things that we never even bring up on this podcast or radio show because we are, you know, playing the hits, as they say. You know, there's a saying um, in radio in particular, play the hits. Whatever the number one sports story of the day is or story, that's what you should be talking about. Or it better be something that you're really, really passionate about um, and can make, you know, sort of interesting. Anyway, that aside, I think that part of it is that I do have um, over the in recent years. I'm not as interested in spending as many hours watching it. I am much less interested in going to games when I used to be the guy that would say, "No, no, no, let's get tickets, let's go to the game." You know, um, that's really, really dried up for me in the last five years in particular. But I will say that I think the demise. Uh, of the Washington football team has had a big part in that because that was always at the top of the list of passions. Right. And so I don't have that as like this obsession. I mean, I do because of work, 
and I do because I still love football, but I think that might have something to do with it too. Like there is no doubt that there have been more skins games in recent years that I've recorded and, you know, during the fourth quarter turned off and watched other football or watched something else and come back to it for the, for the purposes of the show, because I, it was just so boring and, and, and awful. But maybe, well, maybe it's about to change. I'm, well, like I said, it's a good thing Taylor Heineke came along at the right time, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we got uh, we got a lot to, uh, to talk about um, uh, as it relates to that person's uh, uh, performance on Sunday and beyond. Um, I also do want to talk about the Wizards game last night, uh, the Giants Buccaneers game last night. Um, and you have some sort of wrestling story that you want to tell. So we'll get to all of that uh, starting right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. This year, Turkey Day at MyBookie gives you plenty of reasons to be thankful, starting with a $250 risk-free bet on Thursday afternoon when the Cowboys host the Raiders, a game that my buddy Kenny will be watching. Uh, Bet the spread between the Raiders and the Cowboys at MyBookie. When you win, you win. And if you don't, MyBookie is going to refund you up to $250 of your bet. Simply put, you can't lose this bet. 
That's what I call no risk, all gravy, Tommy. All gravy. Uh, it's a seven-point number. The Cowboys are favored by seven. So understand this. If you bet the Cowboys and you bet 250 bucks on the Cowboys and they don't win by, by seven or more, uh, they win by, say, four or three, you're going to be refunded your loss. If you bet the Raiders uh, plus seven and they cover, then you win. You win your bet. Uh, it's a no-loose uh, situation on Thanksgiving Day with the Raiders and the Cowboys. Uh, go to my bookie at mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC. In addition to getting this Turkey Day $250 risk-free bet on the Cowboys-Raiders game, they will also double your first initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. That was uh, redundant. Double your first deposit, they will, all the way up to $1,000. Feast risk-free on Turkey Day with my bookie. Make sure to stick around for seconds as they gear up for what should be a fun Black Friday with tons of odds boosts that will have your belly and your pockets full. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere uh, with my bookie. Just so you know, on this particular wager, if you lose your bet, you're going to need to wager that amount before you can make a withdrawal. So if you lose on the Raiders bet at 250 bucks um, and they refund your 250 bucks, you're going to have to make another bet. Just don't think that you can just go there, sign up, and be given $250. Uh, but they will double your uh, first deposit and give you free money to gamble with. My bookie at mybookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. Um, real quickly, before we get to the Taylor Heineke stuff, uh, you said, um, as we were gearing up for this segment, you said that you watched King Richard. Was it good? Yes. Yes, it was good. I mean, was it great? I don't think it was great, but it was good. Uh, and I thought Will Smith was very good. Was, I mean, I just don't think that it's worth the rave that everybody has made over it. But it's a pretty good movie. My wife watched it with me. She could care less about, like your wife, she could care less about sports, but she enjoyed it as well because uh, it was a well-told story. The acting was good, and Will Smith was pretty good. My question would be, was Richard Williams just completely nuts, or was he part genius? It's a sympathetic look at, at, at Richard Williams. I mean, you know, they claim they show his flaws, but... Uh, it's like it's like well we have to show something that that uh, you know in a negative light because basically a lot of people thought this guy was crazy, uh, but uh, I mean you know I mean basically the bottom line is the story hinges on the fact that uh, you know he didn't have his daughters play junior junior tennis and they went right from pretty much practicing to the pros which was unheard of. Uh, you know, not to play in junior tennis tournaments. And he felt that, you know, the kids got burned out playing that. And that was, that was kind of, I thought, the most important takeaway in the story. Uh, and uh, But it's very sympathetic towards uh, Richard Williams. Um, and maybe I, it should be. I, I, don't, I don't want you to have to put out a spoiler alert, but I'm just curious. What is the relationship between Richard Williams now and, you know, daughters Serena and Venus? Do you know? That's not in the movie. Okay. Um, no. Because, boy, he really hasn't been in a big spot match as a cutaway for a camera for a long time. Seems like a very no. long time. 
I don't know what his health is. Um, that could be part of it. Um, yeah. I I do want to watch it. Uh, I definitely want to watch. Oh, it. I recommend it. I recommend it to everybody. Okay. Even good. if you're not a tennis fan, it, it's worth watching. Uh, did you finish Dope Sick or not? Yes, I did. Okay. And yes, I did. Now I want to read the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. I, I I thought the finale, the last episode, wasn't nearly as good as the next to last up episode, but whatever. No, uh, it was a really good show. God, Michael Keaton's so good in everything he does. And I mentioned this before, yeah. but, but the the girl who played Betsy in that thing, I think her name's Caitlin Dever or Dever or something like that, was so good in the show. All right, let's talk about Taylor Heineke. Uh, I'll let you uh, have at it first because I know you wrote a column about. Uh, the team and about Taylor Heineke, and you haven't weighed in on the game on Sunday, so go ahead. Well, I mean, the gist of my column was, uh, as far as November weekends goes, this was a pretty good uh, November if you're a Washington sports fan. I mentioned the Washington Spirit winning the Women's Soccer League title. Uh, I mentioned the Wizards coming back to beat the Heat at home after losing to them uh, a couple of days before. And the Washington football teams uh, win in Carolina to go basically four and six uh, at this point in the season. And I also pointed out four and six in November is not that unusual for this football team, even if even if they're on the march forward. I mean, there have been plenty of times they've been four or six or four or seven at this point, and then managed to uh, play their way into the playoffs. Uh, what makes this, I think, particularly unique, or at least uh, gets people a little bit more excited than normal, is the quarterback, Taylor Heineke. And I just think that his style, his story, even if it's inflated, uh, even, even if people are overemphasizing all that stuff, still is having an impact on people. I think people are, are, are like, look, uh, and I point this out in the column. You know, Kirk Cousins uh, took Washington, you know, to the playoffs in, in a year where they were four and six or four and seven at one point. And Kirk Cousins is having a great career and is having a great season. Jimmy Johnson went out of his way to say so on Sunday on the uh, Fox NFL show. But uh, no one ever loved Kirk Cousins in this town. Uh, he just wasn't a, lo- a lovable guy, right? Be- well, besides you. Well, there was there was con- there was context to that too. It's because a lot of people loved RG three. Yes, yeah. He if, was, he, if he had he been their like first this. quarterback and only quarterback taken, and had played right from the jump and had developed the way he developed, it would have been a different feeling about him. I'm not sure if it would have been. There's just something it would have been different. Him. But you're right. He's not stylistically or personality-wise, it's apples and oranges with Taylor Heineke. But I'm saying a big part of it was because it it created this incredible... Um, you know, uh, tension between the people that thought RG3 was being wronged and those that looked at it, you know, and said, well, it looks like the other guy just is better. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But I think the Taylor Heineke thing is what we... What we're seeing, and what at least my impression is, and my feeling, is what I'm feeling 
is what Ron Rivera has been feeling throughout this season. You know? Like, God, he kind of likes this guy. You know? I mean, he, he's such a take-charge guy, and, and his teammates just, you know, love him. And I use that Ernie Acorsi story about how you're, you want your quarterback to be the guy that when the team gets on the bus to go to the game, they feel that when that guy gets on the bus, they have a chance to win. And Ron Rivera basically has said that his teammates feel that way about him now. They feel that he gives them a chance to win these games. And I think fans are starting to feel that way, too. Remember when he mentioned the leadership thing a few weeks ago, it was right when we were having the discussion about probably getting ready to see Kyle Allen. And yes. I said, and I said we may want to put the brakes on that because this is what's important to Ron. These intangibles are massively important to him. He's made that very clear since the moment he arrived and started to talk about needing to see it in Dwayne Haskins. It's really just such um, – I talked to Scott about this yesterday uh, on the podcast. Man, the NFL, um, it just changes on a dime. You know, one week you're thinking this team sucks and this other team's great, and two weeks later you're like, oh, my God, how could I have thought that two weeks ago? You know, on Taylor. Yeah, look at the Cowboys. Look at the Cowboys. Look, look, look at a, a lot yes. of – look at the Titans. How, how do the Titans lose to the Texans? Lose to the Texans, um, I know. But, but as, it's, as it relates to the players, I mean, Taylor Heineke was um, – you know, for those that have been absolutely convinced, and there's a lot of those people out there that have been absolutely convinced since the moment they saw him last year, especially against Tampa in the playoff game, that's the guy. We don't have to think about it any further. That's the guy. He's the future of this franchise. Let's get him locked up. We don't need to go get anybody else. And then those people were even just a few weeks ago going, uh, okay, I'm seeing some of the stuff that some of the you other people saw but now they're right back on it look there is um he was he was great on sunday in fact let me just mention this because we're doing this podcast right now and i've not seen any awards for the week but it would not surprise me if taylor heineke ends up being the offensive player of the week in the in the nfl um now i don't know i'm I'm trying to think of some of the other performances his qbr was the highest of the weekend, he was the highest-rated PFF quarterback for whatever that's worth. And there were some really good quarterback performances, by the way, including from the guy you mentioned earlier. What's the guy's uh, the guy's name who quarterbacks the Vikings? Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Um, and because, uh, the guy who quarterbacked the Cardinals Colt McCoy. on Sunday. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Uh, Justin Herbert was phenomenal on Sunday night against the Steelers. Anyway, um, he might he might garner some of those awards, which will really get people going. Um, but I, I can't, I can't change the way I feel right now. I am totally open to changing the way I feel because I already did that two weeks ago. I went from being, no, 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 no. I want to see more. I want to see more. There's something to this guy. There's a lot that I like about this guy. I don't think he's the guy, but I want to see more to declaring two and a half, three weeks ago. He's an NFL backup quarterback. That's what he is. He's Colt McCoy. He's a six and 10 quarterback. He's a six and 11, seven, 10 and 10 quarterback. And I am definitely open to changing my mind on him. I am. I, I, pro, I promise you. Because the, here's the thing. There are things about him that I like a lot. 
Not a little bit, a lot. I think he is a high-level athlete, and all those intangibles, the competitiveness, the gamer, the leadership, I love all of that about him. But I still see a guy that, you know, in nine starts this year, has had three or four games where you, I mean, you're convinced watching those performances, yeah, he's a backup quarterback. And then you watch what he did Sunday, much more so than even last week, and you're like, maybe he's still growing. Maybe he's still developing. He's only 28 and he's only started 10 games in his career or whatever it's been, 11 if you count the one in Carolina. Um, but I keep coming back to this, Tommy. This is a Tom Lavero, um, when in doubt, go-to. What do the people who are the supposed experts that know much more than we know, what have their actions told you? Well, they went out and tried to find, you know, in 30 different ways their starting quarterback for the future in the offseason. They, they offered a lot for Stafford. They looked into, as the silver story outlined, seven, eight, nine different quarterbacks. They considered moving up in the draft for, I think it was Justin Fields. Um, and then they ended up paying Ryan Fitzpatrick $10 million to come in and be the starter. What did they do just two weeks ago, or maybe it's three weeks ago now? According to reports, they were interested in trading for Mitch Trubisky. So that was just three weeks ago. Now, it's very possible that there's a conversation going on in the building after Sunday or after the last two weeks where Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and other people, Bill Polian, et cetera, they're sitting around going, anybody up for considering a contract extension offer right now? Like even if he isn't the guy, we get him at a, at a decent value for the next three, four years. We know at the at worst case He's going to be our backup, but he's shown us that, you know, the things that we love about him, he's got that in spades, and then the things that we didn't love about him, he seems to be getting better with. I wonder if that conversation's going on, because three weeks ago, Tommy, that conversation was not happening. No. No, listen, I've done not a total 180, because, I mean, I'm not 100% there yet. But I've pretty much went from dismissing him to taking him far more seriously than than uh, I had been, uh, and I don't I don't see how you can't. And uh, you know it's ironic. You know what movie is coming out on Christmas Day? I don't. American Underdog. What's the movie about? It's the Kurt, War- it's the Kurt Warner story. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Warner movie is coming out this year. Coincidence or karma? I don't know. Like, somebody asked me about that. Somebody brought his name up this morning on the radio show. And I'm like, Kurt Warner was a star in the Arena League. This guy was a backup in the XFL. Like, the XFL didn't view him as a starter. I know. So, all of those things. I know. And and, and we we can say, well... All of those people got it wrong. And you could say about the NFL, and I hear this all the time, you know, well, it's because it's, it, well, I heard it this morning because the, the draft status thing, I understand the argument, but I also kind of don't really care because every single te- team in the league passed on this guy for five, four or five years. Like they saw, they brought him in, Minnesota had him. It's been one guy. It's been one guy. 
that's believed that he at least belongs in the league somewhere, and it's Scott Turner. If this guy ends up being a franchise quarterback for this for this uh, uh, franchise for this organization, you can thank Scott Turner. He's the one. He had him in Minnesota, brought him to Carolina. He's the one that brought him here. And so he's the one that saw it. But even Scott didn't see it, see it. But I guess um, what I was going to say is, I mean, the the NFL might have some sort of self-preservation thing going on where they don't want to admit that they really blew it on this guy. But what does the XFL have to worry about? They saw this guy and said he's a backup. I know. Now maybe I, I look. You're you're right. There's a lot of pre. There's a lot. No, like Taylor Heineke's background gives you no reason to have faith in him. The back of his baseball card is not good. Well, it's 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 blank. Yes. I mean that's so, the point. I, I, like, un- it's, I understand. It's that. not journeyman that just finally got into the right situation. It's blank. Like, he, he he didn't play until essentially, you know, the the one shot he had in Carolina. And, and, oh, by the way, the other thing was, oh, my God, this guy gets hurt every time he plays. Well, that hasn't happened. Although, man, did he get bent backwards and twisted around like oh a pretzel on Sunday. I couldn't walk after that hit. <laughs> and, and yet he got right back up and he makes a third and 21 throw and then makes the being a biggest play of the game, which was the fourth and three play. Ron Rivera said yeah. something, and I'm looking for the quote. Um, hold on for a second. I'm going to find it about him uh, yesterday. That um, he, um, he was asked a question that I think was a pretty interesting question, and I may have the question wrong. I'm reading from the transcript. At what point does inexperience go away with with quarterbacks, basically, you know, is it no longer an issue of well, he's just you know he's got to play more, you know, he needs more games. We need a larger sample size. And Ron Rivera said, "quote I think you figure out guys after they've played for a good year, sixteen games, seventeen games now. I guess it's the number, but you know, then he gets into his growth. He played for us. He played that one game in Carolina. He got an opportunity to play a game." There, a couple of games here last year, and now he's playing a lot. There's still so many things he's learning and growing and developing. It's been a lot of fun to watch. It really has. You watch a tape and you sit down, and I listen to Scott talk specifically about plays and what he's doing on different things. And it's really kind of interesting to see these things and how he sees them. Now there's a lot of things that come natural to him. And then he goes into the natural athleticism. He says that kind of speaks to his athleticism, like yesterday having to throw around Jeremy Chin, the sidearm shot. Yeah. And then, which by the way was a play I talked about on the uh, in my recap yesterday. I said a play that's not going to get a lot of attention, but you see he's got the Mahomes. Rogers contorting arm angle thing was the throw with with chin is the free blitzer that he made to, to Dax Milne for five yards. It was really impressive. Um, all of his athletic stuff is impressive. Like he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, he said, Ron said, those things are athletic, you know, and then the fourth and three throw to, to Bates. Those are the things that he can do. Those are the things that are innate to what his skill set is. So I still think that the powers that be, and this would be, you know, a Rivera, Scott Turner, and, you know, um, I guess the general managing group, uh, the, the front office, there are still things about Taylor Heineke 
that they're concerned with, like when they're they're having the conversation about a franchise quarterback. And my personal feeling, even after these last two games, is they have to aim higher. The organization isn't going to win multiple Super Bowls if Taylor Heineke is your starter. They're not going to have a run of many years of sustained playoff success if he's your starter. I still believe that. I do. I think they need to aim much higher. But as I've said all along, I want him as my backup. I want him as my, you know, occasional starter here. But subject to change. Let's see what happens cuz the things here's, here's the thing though, Kevin. Yeah, go ahead. The opportunity, the opportunity to grab that high may not ever be there for this team. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, in other words, to be in a position to grab uh, a high-level quarterback uh, who fits everything that you're talking about, they may not ever have that opportunity or may not have it in the next three or four years. Uh, so... Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, they may have to settle for for the quarterback that 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 whose teammates love him. You know, I hear you. I, I think it's a really, really good point because before you run Taylor Heineke off as your non-starter for 2022, well, who's going to be the starter? And we've already, yeah. you know, we've already agreed that they're not trading for Wilson or Rodgers or any of those big guys. They're not, you know, they're not probably going to be the destination for any of the premium if there are free agents. The only chance they have is through the draft more likely than not, and that's a crapshoot. I wanted to read this one other quote from Rivera. Um, He was asked about how important it is for Heineke to be able to continuously improve. And he said, quote, I think it's important because, again, you get a little bit of rhythm going with the guys around you. You get a little bit of rhythm going, and you get an understanding and a feel for it. And I think because he's had that opportunity, we're seeing what he can develop into. I'm not saying this guy is going to be a Hall of Famer. But, again, if this guy continues to manage and direct and then make plays when we need them, that's what I've always said we're hoping to get out of this is a guy that can do that, that managed the game, and then when they have to make plays, make the plays. We're fortunate where we, are, where we got a lot of that last year, and we're hoping to build off of what we have right now, and we'll see what happens. I, I wanted to read that quote because, to me, what Ron Rivera – and maybe Scott Turner and others, and I have no idea what everybody specifically thinks. We only hear from Rivera and Turner each week. But I think what they believe and what they wanted to see if Taylor Heineke could become is a guy that if they put a really good team around him, like a really good team, could he run the offense? Could he manage the game? And then when he's got to make a play, like on fourth down and three against Carolina, he can make that play. You know, because if he's that, well, then we can, you know, we can be successful. Maybe not Hall of Fame slash Super Bowl successful, but we can be successful. I would just like them to aim as high as they can on the quarterback front. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's reasonable if you think you can get Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yeah. If if if, if you think that highly of somebody. That yeah, if you think you can get Justin Herbert, yeah. But here's the other thing about Heineke. I mean, one, two, three, four, five. He threw to seven different receivers on Sunday. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, well, seven, he's not a seven, guy who seven's not like uh, like a shitload. I mean, they're they're yeah, games where quarterbacks, certain quarterbacks go to nine I mean, or ten. Yes, I mean, but bad quarterbacks throw to we throw to Terry McLaurin all the time. Well, he goes I to mean, McLaurin a hell. Of, he goes to McLaurin and looks in his direction a I hell know. of a lot. Yeah, I know, and he had five catches. My point is, none of these guys are Logan Thomas, who has proven to been in a short time here a very good receiver and a very good security blanket for quarterbacks. And he hasn't been part of this yet even. That's true. He probably will be on Sunday. I asked Ron I don't know or if Monday it's, night, I mean. I don't know if it's going to be Monday, Monday night. night. He's 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 now practicing, but they've got twenty one days to pull him off the IR. But you okay. know, I, I asked Ron Rivera on Friday. I said of the guys that you haven't had, because we've, you know, people have talked a lot about what you haven't had offensively. Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, Deami Brown. Um, Deami Brown was back in uniform on Sunday. Um, who have you missed the most? And he said, I guess it's Logan Thomas because, you know, we know what he is and we know what he is as a target in the red zone. And I do think they've missed Logan Thomas a lot. I also, yeah, I also I don't, so. I also am not buying into. Um, that they're doing this with with basically nothing on offense. I actually like a lot of what they have on offense. And, yeah, I understand that Curtis Samuel might be the most dynamic weapon other than McLaurin that they have and that Logan Thomas is their best pass-catching tight end or, and their best all-around tight end and that they've missed something with it. But, you know, we all watch football. Terry McLaurin is, you know, a a truly – he is a is a number one guy and maybe a top ten guy in the league. Okay. Secondly, um, this guy DeAndre Carter is everything they thought Sims Jr. would be, um, and the combination of Carter and McKissick to a certain degree is kind of you know where Samuel would be. Maybe maybe Samuel would have been a lot better. You know, um, but the combination of Carter, the combination of McKissick out of the backfield, Gibson, you know they've had. They've they have some they've got some weapons. They're not the cupboard isn't bare without Samuel and Logan Thomas. We've seen sometimes with this organization in the past they're missing one player and it all goes to hell in a handbucket. I give them credit because I think they you know they found something in Carter definitely. They really found something in Carter. Um, they really I think made a really good pick. Uh, in Gibson, and I think a really good free agent pickup last year in McKissick. Um, so, and, Cam, and by the way, Cam Sims working back into the mix as well. Big target, and I. I the point is, you're right. They'd be they'd be better off with Thomas and with Samuel, but this guy's not doing it be, without anything. He's doing it with one of the best receivers in the game. Certainly a top half of the guy, if not a top 10 uh, guy. And he's doing it with other guys that can really make plays. Gibson, McKissick, Carter, etc. They got some playmakers. I think they're a little bit underrated offensively in terms of what they do have. Yeah, I think you're right. No, you don't. Um, no, I do. I, I think that uh, I've always thought that Gibson – uh, was uh, Antonio Gibson what was was a great offensive weapon as long as he can hold on to the ball. And McKissick has been one of the best pickups they've had in recent years. I mean, I love both of those guys. So, yeah, I agree with you. 
I, I, I also will mention this because I mentioned it on the podcast yesterday as part of my recap, and I think he's been a part of the recap, you know, two out of the last three weeks and maybe three out of the last four. I think Scott Turner's really, really doing a good – I think he's really proving himself to be a legitimate offensive coordinator and play caller. And I think that the fit is a good one. And I think he has evolved a little bit as a play caller and as a designer with Heineke. Maybe, you know, he was going with primarily what he thought Fitzpatrick um, would be best at. But I think Scott Turner – and I asked Rivera this like three weeks ago. I said – Tell me about the job Turner's doing. It seems that he is scheming people open a lot, and he said he's absolutely doing that, and he's doing a really good job with play calling. I think Rivera's got a lot of confidence in Scott Turner right now, and I'm not saying that Scott's his dad. I'm not saying that Scott's Josh McDaniels. I'm not saying any of that, but I, you know, we had an offensive coordinator last year in his first opportunity as an offensive coordinator, and I think that he's doing a damn good job. They were the balance uh, on Sunday and last week um, wasn't just for balance's sake. They were running the football effectively. He stayed balanced. He took the pressure off Heineke, um, which in, and not to mention the, you know, the complimentary football with the defense playing well. They weren't getting behind in these games. Uh, and he did it, and the offense did it against two good defensive football teams. That's yes. the other thing. Yes, they did. And Monday night, they're not playing a good defensive football team. They're playing a no. bad defensive football team. I mean, you know, there was a point where we counted Seattle as, you know, uh, you know, as, as another loss looking early in the season. Now it's certainly a winnable game for them. And the Raiders, too. Yes. You know, the Raiders weren't supposed to be very good. Uh, the Raiders were supposed to be a really tough out. They are – they're not playing well. That's why, you know – well, whatever. Um, well, talking. ironically, if if you look at their schedule starting now, their toughest opponent may be the Eagles. Uh, I totally. Well, I think the Cowboys and the Eagles. That's four, four really you know telling games. But to get themselves yeah. into position, really and truly, for those games to matter, the next two weeks are just crucial. You're playing a yes. a bad defensive team that appears to uh, to be in the. First rock bottom moment of the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson era, like th- there is not all is well in Seattle. They cannot score, and their defense is bad. It's bad. So Washington should, given that they've moved the ball and, and scored points in their last two games against two good defensive teams. They should have an opportunity uh, Monday night to win. By the way, that line's gone to pick them. I predicted it yesterday, Tommy, when I saw it uh, open at two and a half. I said that's going to be pick them or Washington's going to be a a one-point favorite at game time. I don't know how Seattle was made a favorite off of what we saw Sunday. I really don't. And right now, let me just say, right now, Washington just went to minus one in most places. So... This is massive, sharp betting money here early in the week on Washington. Hell, this thing might go to Washington minus two or three because people are essentially believing that Seattle is done. They are done. Not This is going to be it for Pete Carroll. This is going to be it for Russell Wilson. They're done. The Raiders the following week, well, they're going to have a long you know, buildup to that game because they play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. But it's right. very likely or very possible there'll be a five and six football team having lost what is it like three in a row or four in a row something like that 
um, if they yeah. lose to the Cowboys. And then you know, then you get the the five division game ending. You know, you get the the Cowboys twice, the Eagles twice, and the Giants one more time. And now the Giants. We're going to get to that here in a moment because I want to talk about the Giants and the Wizards to finish up the show. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe what I'm doing here. Good God! I mean, it's the NFL. They'll probably get. Would anything surprise you? Like Seattle winning by three touchdowns Monday night? At this point, nothing in the NFL should surprise. No, you're right. The Titans losing to the Texans like that—that's just that's just stunning. The Browns almost losing to the to the to the Tim Boyle led you know um, uh, Lions. Jesus, the NFL is nuts this year. It's nuts. I'm with you on Philadelphia. I've been saying that for several weeks. I think the Eagles are um, much better than people think. And of those five and five, five and six teams that are vying essentially for two spots now in the NFC, two wild card spots, um, I think Philadelphia, Minnesota are the two best teams. Um, and I think San Francisco is is dangerous right now. I think they're coming. Um so we'll see. All right. Uh, anything else on Heineke or the game? No. I'll I do ta- want to tell my wrestling story. I know you do. I, I know you show. want to tell your wrestling story. Real quickly, because you're not going to be on the rest of the week, and then you don't do the Monday show with me. So do you see Washington winning on Monday night against Seattle? No, they're going to lose. <laughs> How many more wins do they have in them this year? Seven I'm games left. Say, okay. Three more. Three more. Um, that would be a yeah. seven and ten season. Yeah, same amount of games they won last year. Right, with one extra game and one extra opportunity. Yeah. Um, I think they'll win two more. I think they'll end up that look. They've already won the two that I said they would win the rest of the way after the Denver game. So now I'm going to go two more, and uh, that would put them at a six and eleven mark. But I have a feeling they are going to win on Monday night. And then the oh my god, the excitement is going to build, Tommy. The excitement is going to build for all of these division games, and on Thanksgiving. If the Raiders somehow can pull it off in Dallas, now you're in the division race with a win over <laughs> Seattle. All right. Uh, don't forget to subscribe um, to the podcast. really helps us rate us and review us as well. Uh, back after these words from a few of our sponsors. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Two things before Tommy gets to his wrestling story. Uh, good God, Daniel Jones was awful last night in the Giants' loss to Tampa Bay. I don't know what to make of Daniel Jones. I've liked Daniel Jones at times, and then at other times I haven't liked him. If I were a Giant fan, I wouldn't have given up on him at this point. But last night was so bad. Like, it didn't look like he knew how to play at all. The Tampa Bay's defense was a little bit healthier. They did not have Vita Vea, and they we they lost Vita Vea during the game against us last week. But they were a little bit healthier on defense than they were against Washington uh, last week. But still, the Giants couldn't do anything offensively. They were one for nine on third downs. They had 215 total yards. And Daniel Jones threw some of the worst balls you've ever seen. And Jason Garrett, I don't know what's going on there. But they were cutting the field off in half for him, rolling him out. And look, the only way to really move the football against Tampa Bay, at least this year, has been, most teams believe, is to throw the football. Daniel Jones was terrible last night. I'm looking at his QBR right now, 15.4 in the game. Wow. Right now, of the starting quarterbacks in the NFC East, Daniel Jones is the worst. And then we can debate Jalen Hurts or Taylor Heineke for number two. Although Jalen Hurts' QBR in the last six games is the highest in the NFL. I think I mentioned that yesterday. Wow. Um, the Giants the Giants are in trouble here because Gettleman, you know, obviously put a lot of his chips into the middle of the table on Daniel Jones. He said, I'm all in on Daniel Jones. And it looks like right now, it looks like he might be wrong about Daniel Jones. Um, he also went all in on Joe Judge. And right now, Joe Judge doesn't look like the right guy. I mean, Mr. Hardass, remember, during the, the preseason. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, look, they haven't had Saquon Barkley healthy. It may be, it may be uh, what we're seeing with Saquon Barkley is that he's never going to be healthy. Um, he got hurt again last night. Uh, wasn't doing much to begin with. I do like Kadarius Tony a lot when he's got the ball in his hands, but there's something wrong with the Giants. And I say that, and they had just beaten the Raiders and the Panthers in two of their last three games and nearly beaten the Chiefs on Monday night at Arrowhead. But last night was a major step-back game. It was a red flag game if you're a Giant fan. Like, oh, my God, this guy isn't getting better. It was one of the worst quarterback performances of the year. I was watching some of the Manning cast last night, Tommy. Have you watched – have you continued to watch it or have you lost interest in Monday Night Football or you don't care either way? Well, I didn't – no, I didn't watch last night's game. It had interest to me. But I've, I've given up on the Manning cast because it's just not my style. I like to watch the game. I don't like to watch people talking about the game. And this is really a generational thing like we discussed before, there's a generation of fans who like to watch people on Twitch talk about the game. So, uh, <laughs> What, people they don't even know? Uh, no, uh, yeah, people that, you know, influencers, mm -hmm. uh, social media influencers. That, that's the job you want these days. You want to be a social media influencer. So, uh, so no, it's just, look, there's a lot of people like it because they're used to people talking while they're watching a the game. I like to watch the game. Um, so, no, I'm not a big Manning cast fan. I'm, 
I'm sure I'm in the minority on that. Yeah, it's like these people that record themselves on YouTube listening to a song for the first time. Like they, I think they call it, you know, song reactions or whatever. Uh, like I, I get why it's kind of interesting, but after a while, you're like, I don't even know who these people are. Like, you know, they claim to be music instructors or voice, you know, teachers or whatever. Um, I actually like the Manning cast. Now, I watched it last night when the game got out of hand, and I watched a lot of the second half. I was just, I mean, it was really interesting because Eli is living and dying every play. I mean, this is his team, right? And he, right. you could tell he's really rooting for it. I also just want to mention one thing about the two of them because I've watched enough of it. Not every second of every Monday night game. They are not doing the Monday night game next week. There's no Manning cast for the Washington-Seattle game. Um, but... I think Eli is the better analyst. And what's really interesting, and maybe it was because it was the Giants last night, um, and Eli really knows the Giants, but I felt like Peyton was consistently deferring to Eli's analysis of plays. Eli is very subtly, too, um, G- very good sense of uh, of humor, a very dry sense of humor that equals, if not exceeds, Peyton's. The, I don't know if anybody else is seeing this or hearing this, and I have no idea if there have been any comments. I just wanted to tell you that it, it occurred to me watching a lot of it last night, Eli's better at, at analyzing the game, and Eli actually has a better sense of humor than Peyton. And maybe... My perception of the two is not in line with everybody else's, but I think everybody else would have just assumed, well, Peyton's going to be the better analyst, and Peyton's, you know, look at all these commercials. He's going to be hysterical. I actually think Eli, and maybe it's because of the expectations of Eli, but I think Eli's really good on this. Okay, good. But you're not going to watch. Doesn't do it. Doesn't, no, it doesn't do it for me. You know, people say, well, if the game's lousy... At least you, you know these guys make it more interesting. I say if the game's lousy, I'm not going to watch the game. Oh, I'll go watch something else. Well, it's a, it's a talk show, Tommy. It's you know it's do you like the people um, you know that are co-hosting together on this talk show while a game's going on in the background? Now they're talking about the game. Listen, they're analyzing the there's game. There's one talk show I, know. I like. Okay, My and that's this one. <laughs> okay, right here. Why don't we? You know what we should do? Oh my God. Why haven't we thought about this before? Why don't we do a live YouTube, you know, uh, watching the game? Are we allowed to do that? I don't know if we're allowed to do that. I don't think we can. I don't think. I think we don't, we we don't own the rights to the broadcast, so we couldn't do it. Now we could certainly YouTube ourselves watching the game, but. No one's going to do that that's interested in the game. They'd want to see the game simultaneously. Right. And I don't think legally we could do that. No, I don't think we can either. Can we, can we make a plan to do that at some point? That would be actually kind of uh, fun. I think, I think there's some people that would be interested. The problem is, again, you can't show the game. So I guess that's yeah. a bad idea. Um, I wanted to mention the Wizards real quickly, and then you can get to the story that you had. So the Wizards lost last night 109-103 to Charlotte. Um, there were a couple of things about this game that really stood out. Number one was that I really felt like the Wizards struggled to guard, especially end of second quarter into third quarter, 
And LaMelo Ball is a special, special player, and he's going to be great. There is no doubt in my mind that LaMelo Ball, I mean, for those of you who haven't seen LaMelo Ball yet, he is 6'7". All right, he's 6'7". Now, he's pencil thin. When he gets stronger, you know, he's 19 or 20 years old. When he gets stronger in a couple of years, he is a superstar in the making. Um, it's impossible to stay in front of him. He's got everything. I mean, he's got a handle. He's got a floater. He's got to improve his shooting, definitely. I, I, I can see that. Um, he's got incredible basketball IQ, great vision. What a player he is. Rozier last night shot lights out, and it was their backcourt that really won the game for him. And I, I didn't think the Wizards guarded very well for portions of that game. Number two, um, do you know what the final overall rebound numbers of this game last night, Tommy, were the rebound numbers? I, I think I read that the Wizards out-rebounded them by 25, something like that. 77 to 41, uh, to 46. Oh a 31 rebound advantage. Chase Hughes tweeted something out because somebody sent this to me. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Um, How do you lose a game like that? The Wizards' 77 rebounds were the most in the game since 1970 for them. Uh, So, well, here's how um, you lose. By the way, not only did they out-rebound them by 31, uh, Charlotte missed 10 free throws. So, yeah, it's like, how did they lose the game? Well, they lost the game because they shot 38.7% from the floor and 9 of 36 from behind the arc, and Charlotte was 15 of 31 from behind the arc. That's a big part of it. And the other part of it is is Washington, once again, had issues with turnovers. They're the fifth – they're committing the fifth most turnovers per game right now in the NBA. They had 18 turnovers last night. By the way, the rebound number, 10 missed free throws, there's 10 easy rebounds, right? So if a, a team's going to shoot really poorly from the free throw line, that's going to help your rebound total. And they really got after it on the offensive glass. And by the way, Montrez Harrell last night was a monster. 24 points, 18 rebounds on 10 of 13 from the floor in just 27 minutes. That was the other tweet that I wanted to read. It came from Chris Miller. Montrez Harrell is the first player since the ABA-NBA merger you know what year that was, Tommy? 1976. Very good. Uh, Montrez Harrell was the first player since the ABA-NBA merger with at least 24 points and 18 rebounds in 27 minutes or fewer off the bench. I had Glenn Consor on the radio show this morning, and I said, um, why isn't Montrez Harrell playing more? Like the production in 27 minutes a night, which is right around the average, it might be 28 or 29, but it's within a minute or two of the average for him this year. Um, He said, yeah, I don't know. But I, we sort of figured this out together. It may be the sweet spot for him. You know, he's such an outrageously energetic player that maybe he can't go 35, 36 minutes a night. You know, maybe Wes Unsell Jr. found the sweet spot for him. Um, next thing about this game, Wes Unsell Jr. after the game said, I got out coached. I, I think he was just throwing himself into the mix of taking the blame for the loss. Personally, I don't know where he would have specifically thought that he was out coached. I don't think the Wizards run great zone offense, and I think their defense lapsed at times last night, but I didn't think that he got out coached. 
By the way, can you name Charlotte's head coach? No, I can't. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, James Borrego is, is the head coach. I didn't know it either until last week when they played him. I ended up getting quizzed this morning on NBA coaches, and basically the net of it is I don't know – I didn't know uh, about a third of the NBA coaches. I mean, seriously, it's well, impossible. You might, as well, you might as well quiz me on MS, MLS coaches. Right, exactly. Um, but but I love the NBA, but still, it's hard to keep track of all the coaching changes. Um, there, the, Spencer Dinwiddie needs to be better um, uh, than he's been, and I love him as a player. Uh, and then, real quickly, for those of you that watched the game, there was a controversial moment late in the game. The Wizards had cut the Charlotte lead to two. They were down by as many as nine you know, midway through the quarter. They cut it to two late. Uh, Miles Bridges missed a, a lob slam dunk. And Harrell uh, had the ball briefly, but had it slapped out of his hands by, uh, I think, by by Ball. Um, and they didn't, and they reset the entire shot clock rather than resetting it to 14 seconds, as if it was a second offensive possession with within the possession. Um, I don't know what the rule is. I don't know how long you have to have possession for. Um, the bottom line is they left Rozier open and he knocked down a three, and there were still 13 seconds left in the game when he took the three. Uh, the last thing that I just wanted to mention. Tommy, the crowd last night, like it was Saturday night, I didn't go to the game. Um, a near sellout last night, 80% capacity. Saturday night was a sellout, 20,600. Uh, the crowds for the Wizards home games for November have been incredible. Like just seeing the, and I asked Consor about this. Consor said he's never, ever seen it like it's been the last couple of home games there. He compared it to growing up to New York and going to the Garden. And I was like, I kind of said, come on, all right, enough. But it's been great, and it's been absolutely coming through the television. It, 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 it's really cool to see them drawing well, seeing a real home court advantage for their games. I know there were a lot of Heat fans there on Saturday night. I was told that by a friend of mine who was there. And we'll see that you know, in, 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 on various nights. But I love the fact that people have really very quickly, after 17 games, kind of looked at this team like, this team's pretty good and they're likable and they're, they're going to get better and they got a different coach. I don't know. There's something going on down there with their home games. Now, they got 13 of the next 17 on the road. But um, I love the crowd the last two home games. All right. Did I you... think you're right. I think you're right. I, th- I mean, this is a team that if I were so inclined, making the decision to go see or not go see, I'd go see them. If I get good seats, really good seats, and I get the parking. No, I'm not going in that and arena. I get, and I get I'm the like, parking. You know who... And I get the parking yeah. that I I'm get. Like... Will you come I'm with like, me? You know who is gone. Oh God! I'm not stepping in that You're arena. The worst. And by the way, what? I have a story off the air to tell you about him. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, yeah. he doesn't. Because I know you won't want you won't, you won't let me tell it on the air. No, I'm not going to so. because I actually really like I him know. and he really likes me and I think he's really good. He yeah, obviously, like we were talking about, you with, really need him. I don't need him at all. Okay. What do I need him for? Honestly, to get guests. Oh come on. You know better than that. Wizards guests don't move the needle in local sports talk radio. They might at some point down the road. It would be great. You know how much I'm rooting for that. Um, All right. What's your wrestling story to finish up the show? 
Well, it was all over uh, social media last night on WWE Raw. The uh, Seth Rollins, who apparently is a WWE star, I've heard of him. I don't follow wrestling anymore, uh, not like I used to. Uh, but uh, as he was exiting the arena, a fan jumped over the railing and attacked him. I mean, really attacked him. I mean, tackled him, got on top of him, and looked like he was, he was like having his way with him before security, uh, at least three security guards, had to pull this fan off, off of him. What's the guy's and, name? Uh, the, uh, Seth Rollins is the uh, wrestler. I want to see the video. Yeah. Yeah, you should take a look at it because it's 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 pretty wild. Oh, uh, wow! And I think people thought people thought it was part of the show. I think initially because it was so it was so demonstrative. It was it wasn't just like this fan grabbing him. He tackled him, put him on the ground, and you know, I mean, I thought I thought somebody was going to count to three at, at one point and 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 you know give the give the fan the win. But here's what this reminded me of. Uh, oh, this back was, in th- th- this guy really went after this. Got dude. after him. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he you know yeah. he, it was he wasn't expecting it. So um, right. But wow. Yeah. There, back in the summer '68 and '69, uh, when I was 14 and 15, uh, my sister lived in Miami with her husband then, and during the summers. Uh, I used to go down and spend the summer with her in, in Miami. It was great. I mean, I told you the story years ago about working at the Republican convention for Nelson Rockefeller <laughs> right in when 64. I was 14 yeah. years old, yeah. just because I was hanging around Miami Beach, where the convention was. Uh, so my brother-in-law, who was a big guy, uh, wasn't tall. He went about 5'10", weighed about 250, 260, former football player. Uh, he took me to, uh, he used to take me to wrestle matches sometimes. So he took me to a match at Miami Beach Auditorium. And uh, we had ringside seats, front row seats he got for us. And uh, I'm 14 years old, and my brother-in-law's pounding down the beers. <laughs> I mean, he had to have at least a dozen beers by the time the main event came on. And uh, the main event was Hans Mortier against, I'm not sure who it was, but at one point, uh, when, the, when they, the, the two wrestlers hit each other at the same time, and then they both acted like they knocked each other out, and this Hans Mortier guy fell near the ring apron, the end of the ring, like right pretty much in front of us. So my brother-in-law jumps out of his chair, takes a penny, and slams it on the mat next to this guy's head, and yells, here, that's all the match was worth. So this guy rolls over like he got hit. Well, the whole place thinks my brother-in-law is some kind of wrestler who just took a shot at this guy. Right. So uh, all the fans are jumping on us. Security's jumping on us. This wrestler's trying to get at him. And, I mean, I'm 14 years old. I think this is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, the absolute coolest thing ever. And we wound up getting kicked out. <laughs> we wound up getting, you know, we, he, he didn't get arrested, but we wound up getting kicked out. And after the after we got kicked out, my brother-in-law was so pissed off, he was hanging around the parking lot 
waiting, waiting to see for if him. he could catch the wrestler oh to come out because he was going. Fortunately, was your brother-in-law was your brother-in-law capable of taking care of himself, or was he just hammered? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, uh, capable of taking self- care of himself against a professional wrestler? No. Taking care of himself against a guy in a bar? Yeah. He was capable of that. But not against professional wrestler. But, uh, yeah, I got, we got kicked out when I was 14 years old, and uh, I thought I was the coolest kid in Miami. <laughs> um, speaking of, of wrestling and fighting and whether or not somebody's capable of taking care of himself, did you see the LeBron-Isaiah Stewart thing from Sunday night? Yes. You know, LeBron got suspended for the first time in his career. 19 years, first time right. he, he's been suspended. Um, Isaiah Stewart got two games. So Sunday night, this thing was, I mean, my sons were sending me all the video of it. And, and really, for those that haven't seen it, basically LeBron James for the Lakers, Isaiah Stewart for the Pistons, in a game Sunday night in Detroit. They are standing by each other's side on a free throw attempt. They get a little bit tangled up, and LeBron, um, as Stewart's sort of pushing LeBron, LeBron takes his elbow and flicks it into Isaiah Stewart's, you know, uh, head area. I did not personally, and I still, every single time I watch it, I don't think it was really intended maliciously. I think they were entwined a little bit, and LeBron had an elbow, and I don't think he meant to hit him in the eye with it or hit him in the face with it, but he did. And um, immediately, LeBron shows some remorse, um, but Isaiah Stewart loses his mind especially when the blood starts gushing from across, uh, you know, in his general above-the-eye area where LeBron's elbow connected. And this guy had to be restrained, Tommy, four times minimum where he was charging after LeBron, charging after him. I don't know what most people think. I'm surprised LeBron got suspended for a game. I'm not surprised that Isaiah Stewart got uh, suspended. He kept escalating this thing over and over again. They they were both thrown yeah. out uh, on the spot. LeBron got a flagrant two, which I think is warranted. I, I'm not a LeBron guy, as most of you know. I would love to have seen LeBron suspended. I didn't think he deserved suspension. I really didn't. And I think in part him being LeBron may have worked against him in this particular situation because people, if they didn't suspend him, they would have said that's major preferential treatment. But uh, this guy, Isaiah Stewart, they couldn't. They could not contain him. I mean, they had four, five, six dudes trying to hold him back. And even when he started to like walk towards the locker room, like I'm okay, I'm I'm okay. Then he would turn when they when they let go of him, and he started sprinting back uh, after him. It's crazy the scene there. Yeah, I I saw that video. Uh, listen, uh, I want to just tell everybody if you ever want to see an NBA fight for the ages. Google Willis Reed, Rudy Larusa, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Really? Where Willis Reed, it, it, it's black and white, and it's a little grainy, <laughs> but Willis Reed went after the entire Lakers bench, knocked two guys out, and the rest of them ran away in fear. Uh, I'm, it's I'm... considered the greatest NBA fight in history in terms of a one-sided affair. I'm watching it right now. Yeah. Here goes Willis. It's it's a, it's it's a little grainy because um, it's black and white. Yeah, Phil Jackson commenting on it. Who yeah. who back in the day? God, there were. Oh my God, Willis Reed is just 
just busting people up. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's they, unbelievable. I don't think it, and and the Lakers, all of them are like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> no. Oh my! How many games did he get suspended for? I don't know. I don't know. This was early in his career. I tell you what, that set the tone because nobody ever messed with Willis after after that. It wasn't in, the, in it, the league. It wasn't the, not even Wilt. It, well, nobody used to mess with Wes Unseld either. That's true. Absolutely. I mean, he was yes. really feared, and I can't remember yes. Wes ever getting in a in a in a fight that is like legendary. I just remember people being scared shitless of Wes Unseld. Yes, they were. The, the all-time punch, of course, is the Kermit Washington Rudy Tomjanovich yeah, right. punch. Right, you know, that was a tragic situation. It really was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Are we done for the day, or is there anything else that we need to discuss? I just want to remind people: you could read my column in the Washington Times. Go to WashingtonTimes.com. Click on sports. Read my column about the great November weekend for Washington sports. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook. I've retweeted it as well. So you can find it there, uh, and it's a good column from Tommy. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with, uh, with your family. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, buddy. All right, we're done for the day. Back tomorrow with Clinton Portis will be on to talk some football with us.